No matter who you are or where you're from, we have a place for you. To the hurting and the hopeless, to those with questions and doubts, to those looking for a place to belong and grow, we have a place for you. Our mission at the table is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus, and we recognize that we are called to be courageous. We courageously talk about hard things as we are challenged to live for Christ in a complicated world. We courageously build bridges as we love and serve our neighbors well. We courageously challenge one another to follow Jesus and we share the hope that we have with those around us. We invite you to have a seat at the table. Come find hope and healing. Come find answers and purpose. Come find a place to belong. Come be courageous. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Um, we are going to uh, conclude our message series um, titled "Coming Up for Air," and I hope that you guys have uh, had a uh, had, have learned a lot in this series, been reminded about a lot in this series. Uh, we're, we're, the series is basically a reminder for us. Uh, that we are often supposed to come up for air. Life gets busy, life gets, uh, we get laser focused on a lot of different things, but one, Jesus should be our main priority. Um, but two, it is important for us to have a rhythm of coming up for air, and uh, thank you, Cody. And um, this summer, uh, we just wanted to remind us of that, that you know, during the summer you should come up for air, and then also just weekly, um, you should have time where you rest and get alone, or you rest and be refueled by God um, and daily as well. But uh, Bill has been gone for three weeks. Um, he'll be back next week as he's been coming up for air. Uh, I get to go, my wife and I get to go on our first vacation uh, in six years. Um, and so I'm gonna just talk real fast because uh, we're gonna leave here. No, I'm just kidding. We don't leave until uh, later this week. So we'll take our normal time, which is kind of fast for me. But um, thank you so much for being here. Um, let's pray. Jesus, we celebrate who you are today. Uh, we just sang a song about the King of Kings, and I declare today that that's who you are. Um, I trust you with all of it, Lord. Everything that is going on in our world, everything that is going on in this community, God, we, we pray, Jesus, that you would have your way in our lives, Lord. That we, we pray that you would continue to move, your spirit would continue to move in this place, God, that you would speak um, through me, through your word. God, as we talk today about you being it, you being everything, Jesus, um, God, if there's anyone who is here um, or maybe watching online that has yet to surrender their lives to you, that they would not delay any longer, but Jesus, that you would convince them that there is one way to the Father and you are it. That was the plan from beginning and it is still the plan and it always will be. And so, Jesus, we thank you for you. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We got music. It's not cool. Um, listen, do I have any, like, decision makers in this room today? Any decision makers? Like, any, like, real, like, real life decision makers? Because here's the deal. About six years ago, I got, in, I got married. Praise God. Um, but um, I thought that we would come together, like pray together, and make all of our decisions. And here's the deal. The big ones, we do that. Um, but like in reality, like 
I am the decision maker. And before you get upset, what I mean by that is for six years in marriage, three times a day, I have asked my wife, hey, what do you want to eat? <laughs> and so, yeah, you guys get it over here. Cause, and she looks at me and she says, I, I don't care. What do you want? And so I list out something and then what happens? Oh, not that. And then I list out something else and she says, no, not, not that either. And then she looks at me and she just says, I'll just eat at home. And I'm just like, at first, the first couple of years, I was like, no, like, let's just keep listing out stuff. Like year three, I was like, look, I don't care what you do. Like we've been doing this for like 45 minutes. So me and the boys, we're going to eat some food. But the reason why I tell you that is because I think that decision-making is extremely important. I think that it's a process um, that we talk, uh, I just recently talked to our students about. I think learning how to make decisions is really important. Um, but ultimately, I think there's one decision that is the most important decision each of us will ever make. In John 6, uh, we actually see Jesus, we're not, that's not where we'll be in the text, but we see Jesus having this conversation with his disciples, a lot of different people are wondering who this Jesus is as he's leading this revolution of people. He's changing the hearts of people and the minds of people about who God is and exactly why this Jesus has come. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says to Peter, because all of these people are making claims about who Jesus is, he says, who do you say that I am? I think that that is the most important question for any person to have an answer to. I think that everybody should make a decision or a choice about who they believe Jesus to be. I think that there are a lot of different people that think there are a lot of different ways to go to God or to be, right, be made right with God. But I think when we look in the scripture, we see very clearly that there is one right choice. Today, we're going to talk about that one right choice, and that one right choice is Jesus. If you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to Luke 13 verses 22 through 30. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up here on the screen, or you can visit, visit our YouVersion app um, where you can find uh, small group questions, just some different things out about what's going on at the church, like what Melissa mentioned earlier in Serve Sunday. Um, I encourage all of you to be a part of that with us. Um, Luke 13, starting in verse 22, we'll go down to 30. It says, Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he went. This, this part is important, always pressing on towards Jerusalem. Jesus had a laser focus of what he was about to do for us on the cross. Someone asked him, Lord, only will a few be saved. He replied, work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom. For many will try to enter, but will fail. When the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. You will stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know who you are or where you come from. Then you will say, but we ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for you will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you will be thrown out. And people will come from all over the world, from east and west, north and south, to take their places in the kingdom of God. And note this, some who seem least important will now be the greatest, or will be the greatest then, and some who, some who are the greatest now will be the least important then. There are three things that I want for us to understand from this text this morning about how we should be coming up for air, but the reality is, is like I talked about, Jesus is asking or has asked his disciples who he is, and I believe that when we have a, a, a resolution of who we believe Jesus to be, it allows for those of us who are believers in him to come up for air that gives us a peace that, that we cannot attain anywhere else. 
When we, when we know and trust in Jesus, we can come up for air often and be reminded often of the peace that we have in Christ because there is nothing that, that separates us from the Father any longer. Not our sin, not our shame, not our guilt. Jesus has taken that for us, and that to me is like the heaviest weight that I ever felt has been removed from me, and it's nothing of what I've done but all of what he did for me. And so we can truly come up for air when we, when we have this answer, the answer to this question And I believe um, with all that I am that if you do not have your answer to who do you say Jesus is, that you need to look and search for it. Jeremiah 29, uh, verses 13 and 14, part of 14 says, if you look for me, this is God speaking wholeheartedly, you will find me and I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I think that there are a lot of people who have started to do the work or thought about doing the work to search and seek after who Jesus is, but they just kind of hope that he just sweeps them off their feet and just really just just in a loud way or whatever it is, just shows him who he is. And, and, and that happens. And I hope that for you too. But there, for those of us who have yet to really dive in and read God's word and search for who he is and ask the questions and seek after the answers, the Bible makes this promise here. God makes us a promise here that if we seek wholeheartedly, that means if we, if we don't just like, oh man, you know, if, if he wants to reveal himself to me, he will. But if we truly chase after answers and ask questions and, and, and just sit with him and say, I mean, one of the things that I challenge our students often is say, God, if you're God, would you show me? Would you reveal yourself to me? Would you speak to me through this guy on the stage? But if we seek wholeheartedly the Lord, we will find him. I believe that there is no greater decision um, that can be made. Uh, when we read, we read this text, uh, it's, it can be a little bit confusing for us. It's known as the, the narrow gate text. And for me, when I first read it growing up, I thought that Jesus was speaking to people when they asked this question about how, like, who, how many will be saved. Jesus kind of gives them this answer about like, who they are and what they do. And so I just remember just being kind of like in the church that I grew up in, it was like the cross plus your works equals salvation. But, and so I was like, kind of like, this was like a, a, a verse that they used to kind of like hammer that in. And so as I've, as I've grown in my understanding of scripture, I just began to, in, in, in studying this week, looking at it, I just began to ask the question, God, what are you saying right here? Because if, if, if Jesus is saying that it is a cross plus our works, then let me, in, let me, let, me let you in on a secret. We're all in trouble because none of us are good enough. None of us could do enough works. And the reality is, is what that theology says is that Jesus' work on the cross wasn't good enough either. And when Jesus said on the cross that it is finished, what he meant was that I have finished the work on your behalf, and all you have to do is say yes to it. And so in in another gospel, John 14, uh, one of my favorite gospels, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be where I am. And you know that you know where I'm going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you, you are going. So how can we know the way? And this is, this, this is the truth that we need to hold on to. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. First thing that I want for us to understand is that the one right choice in Jesus is God's kindness towards me. It's God's kindness towards you. I think one of the things that as I've talked with people over the last few years, or really 
10 plus years in ministry as I've, as I've talked to them, one of the things that has always tripped people up, and I think one of the, the enemy's greatest, and I don't, I'm, not, I'm certainly not exalting him, but the enemy's uh, most successful uh, uses or tools is to confuse people of this idea of only one way to, to the Father. What he tries to do is he tries to say, now, there are multiple roads that lead to God. But Jesus' word here says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except for through him. And I believe that this is God's kindness towards us, not his harshness towards people. But I believe that God, what he's doing in, 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 in this plan that has happened and been so from the beginning is that he is, he is saying, look, without confusion, without any hesitation, I sent Jesus and he was always my plan A. And what we need to know about God is there's no plan B was needed is that Jesus's work on the cross is sufficient for our sins. And and, and it's God's kindness towards us, his love for us, his mercy, his grace towards us that would do that. And I I believe that if we could uh, if we could just see that in his kindness, his love, he, he acted towards us this way. It would help a lot of people like have this greater understanding of who God is. And I think that um, in, in, in Ephesians 2, 8, verses 8 and 9, or Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says that uh, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And knowing that this is God's kindness towards us, we have to realize that in order to receive it, we don't have to do anything to work towards it. When I, when I want to give my kids something, when I want to give them a gift, like, it's not like, hey, if you do this thing right, then you can get it. But it is because I just want to choose, I choose to lavish love on them because I care deeply about them and I know their wants and their, their, their desires. And so I give them this gift. A gift is not um, something that you earn, that's compensation, that's a wage. The Bible says the wages of our sin was death, but the free gift of eternal life is found in Jesus. And so our, our, this gift that we have been given in, in this, the cross and the empty tomb is, was God's plan from the beginning to make us right with him. And I don't know about you, but in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an idea of coming up for air, that, that allows me to take a real deep breath and to realize that, that salvation is not found in me and not found in my works and not found in how good I am or if I'm nice that day or if, if my sarcasm uh, is, is received the right way because most of the time it isn't. And so I would be in a lot of trouble. If it was just on me and my works and, the, and what I did, then I would be in trouble. But God in his kindness towards me has given me a way to be right with him and given you a way to be right with him. And that's really good news. And allow in, 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 a, in a time where things are chaotic, and listen, it will always be like that for us. Until we are with Jesus forever, chaos will always abound in this world. But when we remember what he's done for us and his love towards us and his kindness towards us and his grace for you and for me, we can take a really deep breath. We can come up for air and remember, and it's not always going to be like it is today. One day I'll be with him forever. One day, I'll, I'll, one day I will see him face to face and, I'll, and everything will be made right. There will be no more sin. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sadness. And that is all because of him. That is all because of the work of Jesus and the cross. I think that if we realize that, that first thing, the, that one right choice is God's kindness towards me. When we read and look back on uh, what it says, what Jesus' response to, response to them is, 
to the to the the people who are asking, it's, it's kind of funny because we look at the, the question that they're asking. They say, Lord, who will be saved? And we have to wonder, like, why are they asking this question? Are they asking this question because they're worried about their own salvation? Or are these people who are trying to trick and trap Jesus in his own words? There's a lot of that in the text as, as people who uh, are around Jesus aren't exactly excited about the work that he's doing. And so uh, really, I think these people are asking this question because they're trying to trap Jesus in his words. And it's funny when they go to Jesus, and I love this, and this is why I think that sarcasm is okay. I'm not saying that Jesus was sarcastic. I'm also not saying that he's not. But like, if you look at the text, they say, Lord, who will be saved? And he's like, nah, we're going to talk about you instead. If you look at the text, like often Jesus, like when people go to Jesus about someone else, Jesus is like, hold on, slow down, pump the brakes. What about you? What about you and your life? And I think we have to know very clearly because when we look through the rest of the text, Jesus is not saying, how have you worked your way towards my love? Jesus is saying, how about you look within because you claim to be a follower of God. And I think that when the, the second thing that I want for us to understand today is that when we know the one right choice in Jesus, like he calls us to look within at us. This narrow gate idea, this narrow door idea, I think is one that it allows for us to have um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm someone who struggles to see things. Like I can't close my eyes and picture things. My wife can uh, close her eyes and see like everything in the world and like draw, like I don't, I just, when I close my eyes, it's just dark and I don't see anything. I can't imagine stuff. But, for, but when, I, when I look at this text and I think about what Jesus is saying here in this idea of a nor, narrow gate or, or a narrow door, and, and we think about like if we came into um, walking through this door, if there was a door right here and I came into it and it was small and I'm not small, and so I had to like go through it, and, but I had a bunch of stuff on, right? I would never do this. My wife and I are about to go to a place where you could, if you were crazy, you could go hiking in, in a mountain. I certainly will not be doing that. My wife was looking up uh, trails, and there's, there's no rails on the mountains, by the way. There's, no, like, there's nothing to stop. This is a side note. But like, I was like, this is crazy. Like, I, we, are not, we are not doing this, but she's adamant. So remember, decision maker. Um, okay, cool. Some of you aren't offended. Some of you laughed. But, um, but, you know, people who go hiking, they wear these huge backpacks, right? And they got, a, for whatever reason, they got like sleeping bags on top and like food for like 18 days or whatever it is. And like, if I was going to try to fit through this narrow door, right, I couldn't get through it with all my stuff. And I think what Jesus is saying to the people here and what he's saying to us is that like, look, you can, like, I'm, I have made this door open for you. Walk through it. The reality is when you walk through it, they'll realize that it might cost you something. Now, salvation is free. I don't want you to hear me say that it's not. It is free. Absolutely. What Jesus offers to us is a gift and it's free. But, but hear me in this. It is also costly. Because I can't just walk through this gate understanding that what Jesus has for me is far greater than what the world has for me, but still hold on to all of the baggage and the things that, that the world is making me carry. What Jesus is saying here is if you were to give this to me, to lay this at my feet, you can walk through that door. And I think for so many of us, I know for some of our students, I have had this conversation. They're like, well, man, I just don't want to give this up. I just don't want to, man, what if God takes this from me? And I have to tell them that, like, 
the reality is, is that God is not just about like ending your fun when you become saved or when you say yes to him and when you walk through that narrow door, but he does call us to look within and he calls us to lay things down. And, and, and some of those things, what he does is he, we lay them down and then he hands them back to us, but then he redeems them. He uses them for their glory. That was my, one of my biggest things about really living for the Lord was when I was in college, man, I had the opportunity to play baseball and I was just like, man, I don't want to stop this. I don't want to not be able to play. Like, what if God calls me to leave school and go be a mission in some third world country? I was like, man, I just don't know if I can do that, if I can stop, if I can, you know, do that. I just love this too much. And then the Lord just reminded me, like, he is my father and he he wants better for me than I want for myself. And so even if I lay it down and I have to lay it down for good, what he has for me is better for building his kingdom and bringing him glory. And I have to convince people often that like when, when, when God calls us to lay something down and to look within and look at our hearts and look at what we're doing in our actions, and he says, lay this, lay this down on my feet, it's not to, to take it from you because he wants to stop you from having fun, or he wants to stop you from being in a relationship, or he wants to stop you from whatever it is. But God has a, a, a plan and a path and a right way to do things. And, a, and, and I'm here to tell you that as someone who doesn't get it right all of the time, but when I really do lay something down and I allow for the Lord to hand it to me, if it's from him, and it's so much better if I try to do it on my own. So much better if I tried to carry all of the weight or if I said, God, like, let me be God in this situation or in this scenario, and then you can handle the big stuff, but I'll handle this. What Jesus is saying here to these, 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 these people who are asking this question is like, like, don't worry about like the number or don't worry about others, but you need to look within. And I think there's this reality that sets in in this scripture because we look at the scripture and Jesus is saying, to them. He's made a, uh, this promise of an eternity with him as we looked at in John 14, but he's saying to those who have yet to say yes to him, there is a, a, a very real eternity as well for those who don't choose him, for those who don't receive this free gift of salvation, for those who don't have an understanding of his love for them. He says that he will ultimately look at them and say, I, I never knew you and I don't mean to say this to be like to be scary or anything like that. But what Jesus is speaking to people who believe that they have made, they have they are right with God because of their actions and their works. He's speaking to people who have and I'm, listen, I'm not saying don't go to church, but who have perfect church attendance and they're always studying or they're always looking towards the next good thing that they can do. But what Jesus is saying is like, where, like has your heart said yes to me? And if your heart has not said yes to me, what you have been doing is just like trying to climb up this ladder, but really ultimately, like I already did that for you. And so to look within is to, to realize that when I try to do things on my own and work my way towards God, it's foolishness. But when I receive what he did for me on the cross and I go from that place, I work like from salvation and not for salvation I have this new reality that this one right choice that I have made allows for me to do these things like serve Sunday, to, to walk in a building and on a Sunday or a Wednesday night and enjoy corporate worship with fellow believers in Jesus, not because I have to work my way to him or be, be seen by him so that he can receive me, but because 
of what he's done and my recognition, my recognition of the cross, like I get to, when I look within, I don't have to see sin. I don't have to see shame. I don't have to, to try to work really hard towards him. What I have now is a relationship with him that allows for me to work from salvation and not for it. And I think no matter what we think eternity is like, we see this picture that Jesus, eternity without, Jesus, without God is like. We see this picture of Jesus, and I, I try to tell people this. I think the, the hardest thing about eternity for those people who don't, won't say yes to Jesus, don't say yes to Jesus, is not the, the circumstances, what, what, what you read into the text of where it says here, weeping and gnashing of teeth or the, the, the heat of the matter or whatever it is, but the reality that they will know that Jesus is true and know that they missed out on him because they were trying to work their way to him instead of just receiving him. And here's the deal. I don't want for that to be the case for anybody. And I know that Jesus doesn't either, which is why I think he's made it so clear in his word that there is one way to the Father, and it is him alone. And if you have been scratching and clawing your way to Jesus, Jesus is saying to you, stop. I've been waiting for you all of your life. All you have to do is say yes to me. So the one right choice is God's kindness towards us. The one right choice, it allows for us, it causes us to look within take some things off, let them go, lay them at the feet of Jesus, allow for him to hand them to us if he wants to, to, to restore those things, to redeem those things, to reconcile those things back to him so that we can use him for them for his glory, whatever it is. And the last thing that I want for us to look at today is um, the one right choice is offered to all people. In the last uh, two verses of, uh, of the text that we read in Luke uh, chapter 13 and 29, it says, they will come from east and west, from north and south to share the banquet in the kingdom of God. I think it's really interesting, it's extremely interesting how often Jesus, uh, the apostle Paul and Peter in the New Testament speak to this unity of believers. These, I believe that these people who are asking Jesus this question are just worried about their group of people. They're, they're, uh, they're where they're from. They're just worried. They think they have their mind fixed on God has come to save us. He's come to make us right with him. Forget everybody else. But what Jesus is saying to them is, listen, like I have come and I have come and opened up this grace and this love to everyone everywhere at all times. And I think that it's really important for us as those people who have received this kindness, who have been uh, looked within for us to ask ourselves the question, have we made available uh, in, our, in the way that we live and in our lives, God's kindness towards everybody around us? Serve Sunday is such a beautiful picture of us looking for people who the world has put in margins or the world has said, um, or, or, or just, you know, life has hit them or whatever it is, hit them hard. And Serve Sunday is this beautiful picture of what it means for us corporately to go out and to share the Jesus who we know with others. But listen, Serve Sunday is not your once every fifth Sunday that you are supposed to do that. That is a daily thing that we are supposed to live out. 
the opportunity that we have to see people and realize that they have value because they were created in the image of God, no matter what their circumstances are, no matter what they've done, no matter what they're living in, no matter what they look like, but God is calling us to go after them and to bring them to him. The unity of the body of Christ is one of the most beautiful things if you think about it, because there are people who speak, and the Bible says that every tribe and every language will be brought together in glory forever. We will all be there. Every, every single um, people group have an, should have an opportunity from us to tell them about the goodness and the love of Jesus. And this one right choice in Christ is, is, is the unification of the world. I, I love what... Um, if you're reading with us in the book of Romans right now, we're going through the New Testament. I love the, the, the way that uh, the author writes it, this, this, this literature of, 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 of what we deserve and, and what, we've, what we've been offered and who we now are in Christ. And the Bible says that we have been grafted into this new family, that we have been adopted, and we have now have the spirit that can pour out and call out to our Father, Abba, God, and say to him, like, thank you in gratitude for what you have done for us. And this idea that, that because Jesus has saved me, it should change everything about me. And as it causes me to look within, after I look within and say, man, God, and I don't look within from a selfish perspective to say, man, look at, man, Jesus, you love me so much. So like just, just, just selfishly, just keeping this to myself, that's how I lived um, the first nine years of my salvation. But this, this idea that says now, because I know this good news and I have this free gift, what is my obligation? What is the opportunity that I have? And it is to go tell everybody everywhere about the Jesus who saves to tell everybody that there is absolutely one right choice. And listen, if we are living amongst those, living amongst people who just, they look like us, they think like us, they sound like us, if we are just living in that and we're in this echo chamber, that is, that is not what Jesus is calling us to. What he is telling the people who he's talking to is, look, from east, west, north, south, all over this, the, the map, all over this place, I am calling those people to me. Those people will be a part of God's kingdom both here and forever. And so for those of us who have recognized and received this grace that we have been given through Jesus, the call for us is to realize this right choice calls us to go out and love people. Every single person, no matter if they agree with us politically, no matter if they look like us, if they speak the same language as us, no matter what it is, we are called to love them and to tell them about Jesus. And the, the last verse in, in verse 30, it says, Notes, note this. And if Jesus tells us to note this, maybe we should do that. It says, some who are last will be first, and some who are first will be last. Jesus consistently in his life and, and what we see in his ministry just flipped everything on its head. He just came in and he changed everything. The way that, that people were looking for a savior, they were looking for this, this, this big, massive king who would come and lead this revolution of, of, of war and government. And Jesus came to serve and sacrifice and ultimately give of himself on the cross. And Jesus says to them, look, you people who are asking, making sure that you would be first, Jesus is saying, look, that's not what we're after here. But we're after people who would follow, his, or he's after people who would follow his example of putting themselves 
last, of living sacrificially, of loving sacrificially, of giving sacrificially, of, of, of realizing that this call to be a Christian is not one, it, it is one that is free, but it is also costly. It is one that often tells us to set aside our, what we desire, what we want, and to chase after the things of Jesus and the people of Jesus and those who yet know him as Savior. And I just think, truly, truly, if we wanted to come up with come up for a breath of fresh air, if we wanted to come up for air, this life lived in the way that Jesus calls us to is the way to do it. It's just often this idea as we wake up in the morning being reminded, this is not about me. God, you have given me new life through the work of the cross and the resurrection and the empty tomb. And so as I take this deep breath, let me go into today to, to live for you, to love people for you, to serve people for you, because it is about you. And it's never been about me. I've never had once to work my way towards you because you've always been there ready to receive me, to love me. And so, God, what would you have me do for your kingdom? And I'll close with this. If there is anyone in this room who has yet to just to stop running away from God or stop running, thinking they have to run to him in order to be received by him, I'm asking you today to just... Surrender your life to him. To realize that Jesus and his work on the cross and what it means for you is a salvation that is a free gift. One that you can receive, receive with, with, with no, no unfinished work to be done. But one that you can freely receive personally for you and for your salvation forever. And you will never truly come up for air unless you say yes to this grace towards you. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for loving us. Despite our faults, despite our wrongs, despite our sin and our shame, you, you've chosen us. And in doing so, you made this plan to save us before even sin entered the world. You knew us so well, God, that you and your foreknowledge realized that there needed to be a plan A in that being Jesus. Your willingness to go, on the, go to the cross on our behalf, to die for our sins, but to not stay that way. To raise three days later, to ascend into heaven with this promise to return for us who believe in you. Jesus, you are the only way to the Father, and I declare that today. And I pray against the confusion that the enemy has used successfully for so long to try to distract people from focusing their eyes on you, from receiving what you have for them. Jesus, I pray that anyone in this room or maybe watching online as they hear this that they would be persuaded that there is just one way and that is gracious and that is loving and that is you, Jesus. For those of us who have already said yes to you, that we would do the work to look within and to see what in our lives doesn't match what you would have for us and we would lay it at your feet. Realizing that what you have for us is better because it represents you and your kingdom. Jesus, in your kingdom, 
is made up of people from all over this world. And God, may we be excited about being unified by the blood of Jesus. From people who maybe will never meet on this side of eternity to those who live in our neighborhoods and in our community, may we reach them with the good news of Jesus to allow for them to realize that they too can be reconciled to the Father through the finished work of the cross. Jesus, we declare that you are the one right choice and that there is no other. Praise you for who you are. It's in your name.